Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Charles Schwab Challenge. And joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, what up? Rick, this is embarrassing. Greg and I are basically wearing the same shirt. I can't, we, we should have coordinated this ahead of time. Yeah, sorry, I'm sorry we, we left you out, Rick. I'm sorry. Yeah, I feel very, uh, I don't like this one bit. What color, what color is that? Salmon? <laughs> Uh, I think yeah, it is Sam. Yeah, I think Sia's looks a little. Mine's in real life. Mine's a little more pink than than salmon. Sia's looks like it has a little more salmon in it. And I count one, two, three, four, five logos on Greg. So, uh, congrats, my guy. You are getting all the product placement in there. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. It is five on there. Um, <laughs> you haven't seen the one on my back yet. But. Yeah, <laughs> I can only see the front. Uh, yeah. That's Greg Ducharme, by the way. If you have not picked up on that yet, gentlemen, uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about the Charles Schwab Challenge. But I uh, see. Are you are you upright? Have you caught your breath from last week? It's funny that you ask that because I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about how the PGA Tour, it almost seems scripted this year because like all the heavy hitters are winning. The people that everybody wants to win are, are taking tournaments down. And I I said a couple of weeks ago, I said, well, the next one up is obviously Brooks Kepka, right? And then, of course, the PGA Tour is like, hold my beer. I got a better one for you. And here yeah. comes Phil Mickelson. It's It's been amazing. This year has been really, truly amazing. I uh, dare I say we deserve it, Greg. I mean, this is remember, we're now back. We're almost full circle here. This is the event that kicked us off after the 91 day break. This is the event we came back to. So now it's been a year and, and that last year of golf has been uh, beyond special. Yeah, it really has, um, which is cool because the game of golf, even outside of the PGA Tour, which we spend most of our time talking about, has gotten on quite a roll. A lot of people are picking the game up. It's as popular as ever. Uh, and when when the PGA Tour can produce this kind of product, um, it, it creates a staying power. And this is how you take advantage of something like this. When the game gets into a really good place, if you can deliver events like this and championships like this, people will get hooked forever, which is uh, what we want. We want everybody to enjoy the game as much as we do. So um, yeah, it's been really cool. This week is all about the Charles Schwab Challenge, but it's also all about the action across the pond. HQ, that's CBS Sports HQ. You can find it playing 24-7, 365 for free in the blue CBS Sports app on your connected TV. It has two hours of lead-in programming ahead of both the Europa League final Wednesday and the Champions League final on Saturday. And after the matches conclude, don't leave the app as HQ will have extended coverage of both matches, breaking it all down with the best soccer minds out there. So like I said, go to your Roku, your Apple TV, your Fire TV, really most connected TVs and look for that CBS Sports app. Fire it up. Check out HQ and heck, tell us what you think about it on Twitter 
only if it's positive. That's how confident I am. You'll love the way we break down the beautiful game and all your favorite sports. See, I feel like you like the beautiful game. Are you are you a fan of football, soccer? You know, not really. I played soccer as a kid, but just okay. the excitement level, it's its its not there. I, I probably should have said yes to that. I yeah, love was, soccer. When the Olympics you. come around, I love soccer. Sorry, See, honesty Greg, gets the best of me is, every time. This is why, Greg, you wear the logo. You knew I was doing a read there. You would have been like, soccer is the best thing we've ever had. It's a beautiful game. All that the second It's the second best thing going, right? Yeah, second best thing going. Fine right golf. I'm right. the worst. Sorry. It's a close second. We'll we'll work on that. All right. Charles Schwab challenged Colonial Country Club. Uh, Greg, this is, I, I say a lot, a staple on the PGA Tour, but this this really is. It's, it's the only course that has ever played host to the Charles Schwab Challenge. It dates back about 75 years. It's a par 70, and there is, believe it or not, here's the fun fact, the, the, the par three, number four, the only hole on the course that has never yielded an ace in tournament play. How about that? Wow, that's... Uh... That, that is the only Fun. one on wait say that again <laughs> no. the only one on tour sorry the only one on the course that has not yielded uh, yes okay okay can't be the only one on tour that would be that well would be i mean it's still 75 years you would think somebody would I right mean, that's what i'm yeah, saying lo- yeah so hey yeah pretty cool um but it's a great golf course it's a classic <laughs> golf course um uh, it's it's not overly long uh, although it's a I mean, it's not like it's short. If you go play a par 70 golf course at 7,200 yards, it's going to it's gonna feel quite long. But compared to what we had last week um, and compared to some of the other events on tour, this is uh, definitely on the shorter side of things, um, but still a great golf course. And and like I said, it's a classic style golf course. It's tree-lined. You got to put the ball in play. You got to position it. It has those old school style greens um, where there are quite a bit of slopes and undulations and and I think that's why we've seen the the type of players win here that we've seen, which is cool. It really opens up the field um, to where any style of player can win. Um, but it seems like the the best iron players uh, typically have the most success. But you do have guys like Kevin Na and, and uh, guys like Kevin Kisner who have had great weeks on the greens. So, um, yeah, it, it's a really fun golf course to watch. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm showing, uh, we'll be going through the tools from rickrungood.com. That's that's my site. And see, the thing that jumps out to me here is, uh, Greg's right, this is kind of a classic course. Smaller greens, 5,000 square feet on average. That tends to skew towards the smaller side. He mentioned the undulation. If you kind of look back, you know, these have historically been some of the more difficult, I don't want to say super difficult, but more difficult greens to hit on tour, which is kind of why you you would think either the ball strikers or the guys that can get up and down like the Kevin Nas, like the Kevin Kisners that have been able to find success here. Yeah. And, and I, I'm going to default to the approach game like, like Greg, it looks like he's going to as well. So, you know, what I'm really looking at is just general approach, but I'm also looking at, you know, the last couple tournaments, the, the second shots, the approach shots have been really quite long, 175 to 200, 200 plus. You know, I'm kind of scaling it back now because of what the, this course presents. So I'm, I'm really looking at approach more generically, and you know, 125 to 150, 150, 175. Th- those ball strikers that can accurately put it in the fairway where it needs to go on, for example, some of these dog legs, and then are just really great on approach. 
And that's what I'm looking for. And there's, there's plenty of that in this field. So, um, that's my focus. Yeah. And I, you know, every single week run the, the regression model, try to find the types of golfers that, um, have had success at every single course on the PGA tour. And Greg, while we have a lot of great data because we've played at colonial every single year, there's really not a stat that stands out for me. I mean, strokes gained around the green is the quote unquote most important, but it's like a below average stat when you compare it to all the other courses on the PGA tour. I, I tend to think that you are going to need to be accurate off the tee, but also kind of have a little bit of this, this well-rounded Daniel Berger type game that we saw him take to success uh, last year in 2020. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. Uh, the reason it, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Um, where last week I favored short game because I thought even the great ball strikers would have a hard time hitting greens. And when, when a great ball striking day is hitting 13 greens, like Phil Mickelson didn't hit more than 14, uh, more than 13 greens in a round last week. <laughs> and so when it gets that tough, even though he hit it really, really nicely, I think he was what fifth approaching the green. So if, even when you hit it really, really nicely, it's still, you're going to end up with a lot of short shots around the green. Um, I, I don't think this is that kind of golf course. It, it's short enough where they'll have short enough clubs in where they are able to hit it. Typically the greens are receptive enough where, um, good shots are rewarded and the greens will hold. Um, that being said, they are smaller greens and you are going to have some guys miss greens. And I, I don't think you're going to see you might see like a Justin Rose kind of week where it's a couple of 66s and a couple of 63s um, to, to get the job done, but but it's par 70. So I don't think you're going to see 25 under um, or anything like that. That means that guys who have uh, uh, who are opportunistic in their short game, guys that are opportunistic in their putting, like a Kevin Kisner, like a Kevin Nod, they still have a chance. Um, so again, a lot of ways to get it done out there. And that's probably why Daniel Berger had uh, such a good week last year. Looking back at this, Sia, before we jump into the cheat sheet and go through each one of these tiers, Daniel Berger wins last year 15 under. Kevin Na in 19 at 13 under. Justin Rose got it to 20 under par. And then Kisner in 2017 won it at 10 under. And Jordan Spieth in 2016 at 17. So we've kind of lived in that... Uh, I guess Kisner's was the hardest, but kind of in that 15 to 20 under par range. We don't have nearly the strength of field that we did last year, but there are certainly some guys headlining this time around. Yeah, and, and I'm curious to see what the wind does this week, because if memory serves, the wind wasn't gruesome last year when, when this kicked off. You know, it was a different date, of course, because of COVID. I believe it was June 11th. So I, I'm curious to see, because if the wind really picks up like it can here, um, you know, I don't think we're going to see those, you know, minus 15 to minus 20 necessarily in, in terms of like those top five golfers. So um, it, it's interesting. I expect those names that you read off to be pretty close to the top again. I mean, I, yeah. I think I think this is a course and we'll talk about it in a second where guys like Jordan Spieth and Daniel Berger can can really go off. Not so much Kevin Nan, Justin Rose for me this week, but again, we'll get there. <laughs> I was going to say, we have to talk if those if you think those guys are, which certainly now they're going to win the golf tournament. But let's jump into this. The $10,000 range on DraftKings, Greg, five names. Jordan Spieth, he's your favorite. He's 11,200. Justin Thomas, fresh off his missed cut at the Ocean Course, is 11,000. Colin Morikawa, who fell to Daniel Berger in that playoff last year, 10,005. Patrick Reed at 10,3. And our defending champion at an even $10,000. I find this tier incredibly interesting. I think there's a lot to dissect here, Greg. So take us, take us where you will. Man, it's a... Uh... 
it's hard to really pick a guy that you'd love. You have the two guys, first and foremost, Berger and Morikawa. I, I expect them to both be back in the mix as they were last year. Uh, it seems like the perfect kind of place for Morikawa. You, you know, this is Hogan's alley. Morikawa kind of has a Hogan-esque style where he's not the longest player. He hits a very reliable go-to fade and is a, a great iron player and an accurate driver off the tee. Um, for those reasons, you would expect Morikawa to, to be in the mix. And he, he gave this tournament away last year. I mean, he he really did. He, um, I think most of us when we were watching last year expected him to get the win, um, but a couple of short putts kind of uh, took that away from him. Um, but Daniel Berger, at the same time, while he missed the cut last week, he may be a good play because um, maybe the missed cut last week has some people upset. He was a popular play last week. I felt like it, the golf course was a little too big for him. A lot of his success comes on shorter golf courses like this one. Um, and and that's at least something I've been noticing over the past little bit, the last year especially. But a lot of places Daniel Berger has played well are not overly long. So that may be a fluke. It may have just been a tough course for him. And he did fight hard after the opening round, which was tough conditions. And you, you can get some bad breaks and it can be a, a real challenge. So I think that may be, um, maybe... If you're looking for kind of a, a a leverage play where a lot of guys stay away because he just missed the cut, you might get some value there. So that's interesting. Then you go on to Jordan Spieth, who's the favorite, and he's been the best player in the world since, um, you know, since basically the start of the year, but really since the Waste Management Phoenix Open. He's a great iron player. He's won here. There, what's not to like about Jordan Spieth? Um, maybe he's played too much. Maybe last week took a lot out of him. It's a high energy week for him. And Justin Thomas, who's been inconsistent, but is still the number two player in the world and um, deservedly so. He, he hasn't been consistent at all, but he still, you know, there's yeah. a, a going to be a moment when he gives himself a chance to win. And he is a great iron player and all of that. The, the one question with him, I guess, would be um, the accuracy off the tee. And you could add a second with putting. But um, but Rick, you you've pointed out a lot when he has bad putting weeks, he it has a doesn't take winning very soon. Right? Yeah, and 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 after a missed cut, he usually doesn't again doesn't keep him down for long. Let's let's mine into Daniel Berger here. He's our defending champion, Sia, and uh, he he did not miss the cut last week. He he played four oh, rounds, right. but it was he made the cut on the number and was horrible on the weekend. So it, it was essentially like he missed the cut, <laughs> mm-hmm. which which I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm 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 showing it here on on um on my site on rickrungood.com because I've been adding, see, I've been adding historic ownership numbers in here. And historically, so I I have this back to essentially last year's Charles Schwab challenge. And Daniel Berger is always a very popular golfer. He was 24% owned. Greg accurately identified him as one of the most popular golfers that we had on the slate last week. He uh, by all accounts, was a disappointment. He scored 44 DraftKings points. He was 24% owned. How do you think that the public will react to that week and then going back to a place where he's our defending champion? So I think it always depends on who else is in the field in that particular tier. So normally I'd say, well, they're not gonna, it's not going to be that big of a deal. Ownership is going to stay pretty high because you know it's Daniel Berger and, and to Greg's point he's probably a better course fit at this shorter course than he was last week you know that's you know 2020 hindsight for me because I did play a lot of Berger but Greg was on that last week too so just FYI for everybody there but w- the, the thing here is I think there's just better options. I mean, I think I think you could really make an argument as much as you like Berger. Let's let's pretend he didn't play last week. I personally like Morikawa and Jordan Spieth more than I like Berger. So Berger's kind of a third place guy guy for me. So to answer your question, 
I think the ownership will still be high, but I don't think it'll be, you know, even with the miscut, I think people will be off him not because of that. I think people will be off him because they just prefer Morikawa after seeing what Morikawa did last week. They just prefer Spieth if they want to pay up um, because it just seems like Jordan Spieth is probably going to win on a course like this. Sia, would you say that um, at that 10,000 even number, if you're going to go with Berger, you're, you're kind of starting your lineup with him? Um, rather, and, and that probably means you're not taking Spieth, Thomas, Morikawa, or Reed. Yeah, the only way you, and of course, I've built some lineups. So the only well, way that's you can why do I ask. right, thank you. <laughs> um, the only way you can, and I, I did build a lineup with two 10 two, two guys 10k and above. The only way you can do that is if, if you pop in a couple mid 6k guys and then you know a couple 7k guys maybe you can fit in one 8k guy so it's possible i mean believe it or not there there are a couple low-end 6k guys that i actually like but to your point if you're building up like kind of a balanced lineup you you might be starting with burger and i'm not so sure that's what you want to do here in this tournament all right. Well, uh, here's the guy who's going to win everybody all the money. His name is Patrick Reese, $10,300 because Greg, he is in what I would describe as the sandwich pricing. There are, a, there's a lot of incentive to go up and spend more than him. You can get Morikawa, Thomas or Spieth. No problem. You're happy to spend up on those guys. You can go down to your defending champion or Zalatoris and Abraham answer who are going to be incredibly popular this week, but it's Patrick Reed gentlemen who believe it or not, had the best weekend of any golfer in the field this week. There were last week, excuse me, he was five under par. There were only four golfers who uh, were under par each of Saturday and each of Sunday. Reed was by far the best. I I think, Greg, in a place where we've seen guys like Patrick Reed contend and win golf tournaments, I'm I'm, I'm feeling me some P. Reed this week. And his course history here is something to look at for sure. He, in 2013, notice a trend here. 2013, tied 46. 2015, tied 33rd. 2016, tied 15th. 2020, tied seventh. There's only one place uh, to go. It, there's like, <laughs> six places to go. <laughs> and if he if he continues that trend, it's a good it's going to be a really nice tournament for you. Uh, and the game fits. He showed he, his game is in good form last week, um, and I do think it's a good fit as well. So I, yeah, I, I look at Patrick Reed as kind of a sleeper in this range that could be. I, I mean. This is why this range is so hard. It's a really hard range because because of some of the things that we outlined earlier with Spieth and Thomas, they're hard to stay away from because they're just so good. Um, and then and then you go to Morikawa, who should have won last year, who played pretty well last week. Um, it, it was a tough week for him, but he he contended. You know, we noticed it was a tough week because he was in the mix. He was on TV a lot. It was it, it was pretty good. And then Burgers, your defending champ, so maybe Reed's the forgotten man here. Um, and and I think the data would support he's a strong play. Um. Okay. See ya. Uh, I think we can jump down to the nine K range. Are we good on the 10K? We're good. I'll tell you this, though. I like I like Morikawa the best. And if we're, if we're going to focus on approach, he's going to rate out probably best on approach. And, and by the way, last week he gained over seven strokes on approach as a whole. He lost a lot with the short game uh, around the green in particular, but he crushed it on approach. Since our $9,900 golfer, Will Zalatoris, burst onto the scene at the U.S. Open, he has been one of the better 
uh, approach players on tour. So here's what I'm sorting by, uh, Mr. Sia. Colin Morikawa, the number one player in strokes gained approach since Zalator has made his debut. Number two, Justin Thomas. Number three, the man himself at $9,900. Will Zalator fresh off another top 10 at a major championship. Yeah, I'm not going to be the one to make an argument uh, against <laughs> Zalatoris. I mean, listen, it's early in Come the week. On, if, so, <laughs> if, if somebody wants to levy that argument, I'm all ears. And, and the, the truth is, you know, I really want to play Abraham answer. So I, I'm yes. not I'm not necessarily going to be on Will Zalatoris. And again, preview show, which we do on Sunday afternoons, Greg was, you know, ahead of everybody on the curve here. I mean, I think answer is going to be really, really popular and for good reason. So uh, if you it, depending on ownership, I, I think they'll both probably be pretty popular. But if if one of those two happens to be super popular, you, you can pivot off the other one. But I probably like answer the best. And if we're, if we're just going to keep going down the 9K range, Rick, I mean, Corey Connors makes a lot of sense to me, as does Jason Kokrak. I mean, Corey Connors just, I mean, you, you keep talking about how Will Zalatoris keeps doing it. Well, you, you could really say the same about Corey Connors. I mean, he is, his finishing positions are great. He's just striking the ball so well. And by the way, his around the green and, and, and putting game, which which would be the weakness of his game, you know, sometimes it, it, it really peaks. And so you, you get that benefit of maybe a, a plus short game with Corey Connors with the constant good ball striking. So I actually think in this range, Corey Connors might be the best value. I'll give you a crack here on Abraham answer, Greg, because Sia's right. You were calling this uh, a long time ago. So since the start of 2021, uh, Abraham answer has played 15 different events. He has lost strokes on approach in one of them and still finished fifth. His last three results, fifth at Valspar, runner up at the Wells Fargo, eighth at the PGA Championship. We talked about the ability or the necessity to find fairways, to be accurate off the tee, to hit your irons well. This sounds a lot like Abraham answer to me. Yeah, I mean, my here's my fear with Abraham answer. Um, it's too good to be true. So all the metrics point to Abraham answer. Again, you got to hit fairways. You got to be a good iron player. He, he, I mean, I think of what he did at the RBC Heritage last year um, where he hit, I think he missed one fairway for the entire week. Uh, and he hit a bunch of greens as well. He, he is that kind of player. And this is the kind of course where that style works really well. Um, and he did come in eighth year last year. So he's a, he's a captivating guy this week. Um, and somebody to take a look at the, again, the biggest concern is that I went out I, on a Sunday call and my Sunday calls of late have, um, only been so, so. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was an early call, but it looks so good. And that's, that's the one thing. Is this just too good to be true? Um, and if, if you do feel like it's just that good, like, do you guys believe in that? It, it could be too good to be true. This is, is he setting up to be the disappointment that a Daniel Berger was last week or, or something like that? Scotty Scheffler um, a couple of weeks ago, let everybody down or Sam Burns has had a couple of weeks where it just looked so good and everybody was on him and, he had an off week. Is there a chance of that this week? So with the caveat that golf is weird and anything can happen, right? <laughs> Dustin Johnson has missed the cut in his last two majors. First number one, like, okay, so that's the caveat, but you know how we also often talk about Greg, like, Oh, Michael Thompson won. who saw that coming? Or like Phil Mickelson won the PGA championship. Who saw that coming? Like it, it can kind of be the other way too. Right. Which is, there's no reason to think he's not going to have a good week. He has been absolutely red hot 
and fire in in the, the statistical categories that are essentially the most important and the, and the most stable categories, the ones that you can project week over week. And in theory, this should be a good fit for him. So, so yeah, you could play an ownership game, but there's no reason to think that answer is going to have a bad week just because it's too good to be true. Yeah, yeah right. know, that's fair. Greg, and I'll, I'll add to that. I think we have a big enough sample size with a- Abraham answer. I mean, I think he missed the cut at the Genesis, and I'm pretty sure since then it's been eight or nine tournaments. He's been top 30. So it's not like, and a lot of those have been top 10s, of course. So, I mean, we're talking about a guy yeah. over, over an eight or nine tournament stretch that isn't just you know, making cuts, you know, and maybe sometimes sporadically finishing like 50th or 45th, like he's competing every single time out. So I, I think this is who Abraham answer is at this point. His, his worst finish since Genesis is um, 26th at the masters. He's gone 18th, 22nd, 23rd, 26th, 18th, 5th, 2nd, 8th. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was eighth here last year. So again, I mean, this is, this is what I'm talking about. Like he checks every single box. You can go Why back further. He- you can go back further. He missed two cuts, but and then you extend it like five more events, and all of those are top twenties too. Like he's just been a machine. Yeah. So why is he ninety seven hundred? Is that fair? Do you guys do you think win. that's fair? Oh what? yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's because he doesn't win in a, in a lot of these top finishes or, or co- like feel like backdoor top finishes where he's not going in as the leader on Sunday and just, you know, losing it to somebody who came out and, and beat him. Yeah. He's usually just kind of trickling up the board and, and ends up finishing fifth or eighth or something like that. I just I, I love the the round on Sunday last yeah. week when, when you can go play when you can go shoot 65 on Sunday of a major championship. It can give you so much confidence, even if it whether it's backdoor or not like these for, for mm-hmm. the players on tour. They look at events differently than we do sometimes where this is a process. This is a journey. This is not um, week over week. Sunday's not it's not final. Right. It's a it's a continuation. And when you start to gather a little momentum like that, it you can really feel like you're working towards something. Um, and and it gives you that hope where you're still Phil like Phil Mickelson, for instance, is on top of the world right now. Um, there's nowhere to look but down. And and he may feel like he just he reached a goal. And it could be uh, a little bit of an exhale, or he could be thinking a little bit more about um Tory, but whatever, whatever it is, I'm not, I'm not saying that any of this is true. I'm just saying this is Phil Mickelson made, reached a peak last week, whereas Abraham answer still to me feels like he's climbing the mountain. He's on the way up and in his eyes, the, the summit is still, he's not there yet. And that can be a good thing. It can keep him hungry. The 65 he shot on Sunday was two strokes better than the next uh, best round. He gained 7.6 strokes on the field on Sunday alone. See, if I look down towards the bottom of this 9K range, I have a lot of questions. I'm not sure what to do with. I see Joaquin Neiman, who I understand is uh, an excellent young talent with plenty of upside. I see Gary Woodland, who I thought, you know, he he has been objectively turning the corner. I thought his first couple of results uh, were a little bit of fool's gold, but if you look at what he did last week at the PGA Championship, it, it it's starting to look more like vintage Woodland. He gained 6.1 strokes on approach. Still wasn't good with the driver, but we're, we're getting there. And then I've got Sung Jay, and you already mentioned Jason Kokrak. So let's let's go through these three. It, Neiman, Woodland, Sung Jay, what am I doing with these guys or am I avoiding the situation altogether? It's a great question. I mean, because I'm so high on answer and Connors, you know, these are kind of like third place guys for me. But you know, with Neiman, I don't know that this is like the best course fit for Neiman. I mean, he doesn't always keep it in the fairway and, and that's kind of a Concern for me now. I'll say this: a lot of these are forced layups, and so he's not necessarily going to be like 
bringing out the big stick every time. Same with Gary Woodland, who lost strokes off the tee last week as well. If I had to pick between among those three, it would probably be Gary Woodland. I've been on him for quite mm-hmm. some time now, and I really think the guy's dialed in. The problem with Neiman, we've talked about this before, I just haven't seen him put the entire game together. And, and it's just there's always one thing that, that that he's missing, and maybe that's just a product of him being a young golfer. Uh, but either way, I feel like Woodland is, is in a, a different place right now, and, and I think he has a, a real chance to compete to win here. I love Gary Woodland on golf courses where it's not a driver. It's not driver mandatory. Correct. He's one of those guys that really takes advantage of, uh, of his distance, but not in the total distance. It's, it's the club that he can hit to get to a certain point in the fairway. Um, and there are many of instances on this course with a lot of dog legs and things like that, where he can um, position himself with an iron off the tee and it can take that um that driving accuracy number and make it a little bit less important and then he's still hitting less club into greens from there because he's a a really powerful player so woodland definitely seems like he's on the rise and he played really well here last year um a a top 10 last year at this event too so i I think woodland i agree with you see i think he's the guy of those couple of guys there I've been very critical of Gary Woodland for the past um, six to eight months, but he he is certainly looking a lot better than when I was most critical of him. So I, I see the trend, certainly. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We've got to get down into the 8K range. I think there's a lot of interesting options there. And then, of course, the value at the bottom of the board. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. And we're back. Uh, I got a text from my my wife, gentleman, who said, uh, "You have a same the same salmon color shirt. Do you want me to bring it to you?" I, I declined. I don't. Oh, I didn't. No. Think, I didn't, I didn't think we needed to do like a costume change here in the middle. But that's I, still I feel a little disappointing. You should have called. This is this is messed up, guys. Yeah, I don't appreciate. Yeah. It. Maybe well, next week. It, it'd be tough to change in the middle of the show, but but I, I like how she's looking out because that that would have been a really cool image. Everybody would have had to come watch us on YouTube. If, if, and if maybe, you're watching, uh, if you're watching live on YouTube, you know the break is actually only two seconds long. It's not a real break. <laughs> it'd be a quick change. <laughs> uh, all right, eight thousand dollar range. Uh, a defending champion. I shouldn't say defending. A past champion at the top, eighty nine hundred dollars. Billy Horschel is here. Charlie Hoffman goes all the way down to Matt Wallace, Cameron Tringale, and Brian. Harmon. So Sia, let's start with you. What do you see when you look at the $8,000 range, which actually I I skipped him also includes Phil Mickelson, who is playing this event so far. I mean, he's playing. He said he's playing. Okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna scan right past his name like I've done for years, and it you know obviously <laughs> obviously it's bit me not just last week. I mean he's he's actually been good, Rick. To your to your point, you, you've been you've been banging that drum. But there's one guy that really stands out. I think he's going to stand out to everybody. To be honest with you, so maybe you want to consider some pivots here if if you're in your GPPs. But that's the one, Rick. 
I don't even have to say it anymore. I know who it is. Read, he finishes my sentences. This whole <laughs> thing is adorable. Listen, Charlie Hoffman has been striking it so well, I, I yeah. believe in the last 24 rounds, he's third on approach. The proximities that, that and, and you'd expect him to be good pretty much from all the proximities, but the proximities that I kind of outlined in a preview show yesterday and, and just at the front of this show, he's he's great in all of those too. I mean, there's there's really no reason not to be on Charlie Hoffman when, you, when you're playing DraftKings, particularly in your cash games, other than ownership, because the value here is pretty tremendous. I'll name one other guy before maybe we circle back to Charlie Hold on, Hoffman. Before, before you do, while I have it up here, Charlie Hoffman, in, in so every golfer in the field, their last 24 rounds, uh, I have Charlie Hoffman as the fifth best strokes gained approach player, which is better than Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas is sixth in his last 24 rounds. Charlie Hoffman, fifth. So sorry, see, I just wanted to help illustrate that point. No, it's, and, and, and by the way, this is, this is, panning out when his finishing positions i mean he's playing really well all around to be honest with you but but on approach in particular and we know that's going to be important here cameron tringali is another another one that i think is interesting you know we talked about guys who weren't very good or might have missed the cut like like daniel burger he made the cut but he was you know pretty much non-existent saturday and sunday cameron tringali had a, had a blow-up round too and it was just kind of like yeah. whoa it was just one of those moments where if you're not watching it and you're actually looking like on your app or you know the scorecard whatever electronically you almost think it, it, it's it's an error like you have to refresh or something because it, it like doesn't doesn't add up. So with that said, though, I mean, I actually prefer Cameron Tringali on a shorter course than I do the course last week. I, I frankly wasn't on Cameron Tringali last week, but I absolutely love him this week. So I think he grades out really well. And and both him and Charlie Hoffman will be definitely on, on my list of, of golfers to take. I do think there is something about, um, you know, and, and this kind of goes for like showdown or like round by round bets is like, what, what is unlikely to happen again? If a, did a guy make a 200 feet uh, worth of putts, did a guy like Bryson or Brooks or whoever, or Rory play the par fives over par, like how likely are these things to happen again? And the Cameron Tringale situation is <laughs> he played like four holes at 13 over or something. Like it was, it was atrocious. He played well on Thursday. Uh, Friday was a stretch of golf that, uh, unlikely to happen on a lot of golf courses. A lot of golf courses won't even give you the opportunity to make those numbers. And then once he started going sideways, it was, it was unbelievable. So Greg, I turn this to you in the eight K range. Uh, it, it's small. There's only a handful of names here. Justin Rose at 8,900, Kevin, Na, Kevin Strillman, Matt Wallace. What can I sell you? Yeah, I'm very interested in Matt Wallace. Um, he's been playing some great golf lately. He's 10th on the PGA Tour strokes gain approach the green. Um, and, and last week he came and tied 55th. Um, he contended after two rounds. He shot 77 on Saturday. And, and he really had a chance to move up the leaderboard on Saturday. Where You're sitting at two over. Uh, you've made the cut Saturday on moving day. You can get yourself back in the mix at that point. And it went the other way for him. So I look at that round as a high pressure round um, that that kind of got the best of him. But before that, tied sixth at the Wells Fargo, tied 23rd at the Zurich, tied 18th at the RBC Heritage, tied 34th at Masters. I mean, it goes on and on, uh, third at Valero. And, and it comes down to the fact that he's hitting the ball really, really well. At the Valero Texas Open, he hit the ball better than Jordan Spieth. He just, he made nothing mm -hmm. and, and it's been pretty consistent. So I, I like what he's done T to green and I think he has a real good chance here. Um, and then the other guy who, um, uh, you know, I'm going to mention 
and he missed a cut last week. And Rick, you know this um, better than anybody. Oh, but Brian it's my man, yeah, yeah, it's my man Brian. It's my man Brian Harmon. Um, again, going back to a course that's probably a better fit for him. He's really good at getting the ball in play yeah, off the he's tee. Been, he's been good here. Big golf course last week, which he can handle. He, I mean, he he uh, was the 54 hole leader at Aaron Hills, which was an extremely long golf course um, back in 2016. But it it puts a lot of pressure on a guy um, when when you're not a long hitter playing a golf course like that. It just it continues to apply pressure, so you have to play really well. It's like when Webb Simpson wins, everything he does, he does so well, um, in spite of the fact that he hits at the distance that he does. So I, I look at Brian Harmon, who's had some good success here. Tied 23rd in 2020, tied 31st in 2019, tied 14th in 18, 7th in 17, another top 10 in 2015. He's had some really, really steady results here. Um, and that's the kind of player that he is. He's steady. And I don't mind at 8,000 flat coming off of a missed cut going with a steady player. It feels really safe to me. Uh, and I think he could be a, a, a nice staple in the middle of your lineup. To illustrate the earlier point about Matt Wallace, in all of these golfers' last 24 rounds, Greg mentioned the tee to green game. Matt Wallace is sixth in strokes gained tee to green over his last, over everybody's last 24 rounds, behind only Morikawa, Thomas, Spieth, Connors, and Hoffman. That is a murderer's row of names. Would either of you? like to uh, sell me on Justin Rose so that I can provide the counter or are we all off of J Rose? Uh, I, I'm off. Bueller. I'm not, I'm not falling for that. Bueller, no Bueller. All right, let's do it anyway. So Justin Rose gained a staggering, let's see, 11, I want to say it was 11.5, 11.7 strokes putting last week. Uh, let me tell you how unsustainable that would be in my entire database. Every wow. single golfer uh, dating back to 2015. This is like the sixth best putting performance ever. Eighth best, something like that. Uh, I mean, we are in uncharted territory. It is never going to happen again. Justin Rose, fool's gold. And I feel like people are going to say, wow, he finished eighth last week and he's won this event before. Let me buy Justin Rose. And maybe he plays well, but there is not much indication that is coming. When he won in 2018, he was um, as well-rounded. You you guys were talking about this earlier, how how a really well-rounded player will win here. He took down Brooks Kepka, uh, who made a real run at him on Sunday. But at that time, Justin Rose's game was as well-rounded as anybody's. Um, and, and he was one of the best iron players in the world. He had one of the best short games in the world. He was one of the best putters in the world. And he was extremely long and straight off the tee. I mean, we remember what he did to us in the Ryder Cup in Paris. So that that Justin Rose is not this Justin Rose. This guy has been scrambling. He's been scrapping. He's incredibly impressive with his fight because he's been able to put together nice performances in majors without knowing where the ball's going. But on a golf course like this, you got to know where it's going. And I still worry about his uh, his iron game at this point. I'm showing that 2018 leaderboard in terms of strokes gained. Uh, he led the field by three shots in Tita Green. He was the best player uh, on approach. It, 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 this is a completely different version of Justin Rose, what we're seeing right now compared to the way that yeah. he won this, won this I, golf There's a, a buddy of mine um, was not really a big Justin Rose fan. And, <laughs> and he would say at the time in 2018, I was very high on him. I was like, this guy's just so good. And he would say, Justin Rose doesn't go low. 
and we had this debate and it was Tuesday of this week. And, and so he's saying Justin Rose just shoots 68 and he f- finishes night, but he never goes low. And he goes out this week and shoots, I forget the order, but two 63s and two 66s gets to 20 <laughs> under. And we had a nice laugh about that. Um, but boy, it's, uh, it, it has, he hasn't been that same guy this, this year or last year. No, he certainly has not. The $7,000 range, Sia, Brant Snedeker, Emiliano Grillo, Keith Mitchell near the top, all the way down. This is your big range, as it tends to be recently on DraftKings, down to $7,000 flat. Dylan Fratelli, Sebastian Munoz, Sepp Straka, Troy Merritt, and client of Greg Ducharme, Adam Hadwin. <laughs> uh, Hadwin made a cut last week. He, he played uh, pretty Greg's, well. So, Greg's been good working with him. That's right. Um, has he really? Is, is that an actual no, thing? Because no, at no, this no. point, I, I'm willing to buy that. No, it's no. Not. All right. if, he, if he was working with Greg, he would have done better than 64th. I'll tell you that. Oh. <laughs> right? All right. Uh, so, uh, Brant Snedeker is interesting, but I'm going to pass right over him for my guy, okay. Emiliano Grillo. I, I think Emiliano Grillo sets up really nicely for this course. You know, he's not going to crush it off the tee. But that's not going to be a problem here. He's going to be great on approach. Uh, on any model, he's going to grade out really well on approach. Last week, he gained over seven strokes on approach. Around the green game, that usually bites him along with the putter, but I should note last week he actually gained with the putter moderately, but gained nonetheless. So, yes, it is possible. And as far as the around the green game, I mean, I'm willing to operate on the theory that, hey, if Emiliano Grillo is striking it like I know he can, he he's not going to have to worry about that so much. So give me the ball striking. Give me the possibility that the, the putter is going to be in the positive. And, and I think that's a fair price for Grillo. A couple other guys I like. They're kind Wait, of more before down. You, before you do that, uh, mm-hmm. the Grillo point, he has gained – seven strokes or more on approach in three of his last four. That is high level ball striking. It's, it's really good. Uh, you, you mentioned the flaws that he has in some of the other facets, but you're absolutely right that he's a, he's a flusher. And you see in, in these, in these tournaments like the PGA and the Wells Fargo, for example, where you might have to be a little bit longer, you know, he's not getting off the tee, but that's not going to be a problem here. So I like Grio quite a bit. And frankly, I, I like his outright number. I think I've already put him in at 60 to one. I'm yeah. trying to remember if it was 66 or 60, but I, I think I got him. I think William Hill has him at 60 to one. Um, Matthew Naismith. I, I think that this is, a, again, a nice course fit for Matthew Naismith. He's going to be great on approach. He's probably going to fail with the putter if he fails at all, but he's probably going to be able to be accurate off the tee and he's going to be really good on approach. Another guy who's been very good on approach lately, especially if you run like you do, Rick, maybe the last 24 rounds, Russell Knox. Russell Knox is a fair price. His greens and regulation number has been very good. His approach numbers have been very good. He's not a long hitter. It's another guy that sets up really well for this course. And I do want to throw in one other guy. Sergio Garcia is not going to grade out well, especially if, you're, if your model is, is catered to 24, 36 rounds. He just hasn't been that good, particularly with the ball striking. He's actually been kind of shaky lately. But it's 7,500, and, and I say this for the outright market too, I think he has enough upside to include in some lineups. I, I think he's super cheap, and I know he can do it. So your 24 rounds, strokes gained approach, Russell Knox is 13th. All of those guys that uh, that Sia named are better than 13th. So Knox is 13th, Neesmith is like 8th, Grillo is 7th. They're all just absolutely flushing it right now. So Greg, when you look at this large $7,000 range, which features Harold Varner III, Matt Kuchar, Chris Kirk, what do you see from this area? 
Well, if we think that the uh, comeback stories of this year continue, if we think that the older players, more experienced players winning, if we think that trend continues, the winner of the of this tournament may be in this range um, in Matt Kuchar. Yeah, you beat me to it. Right? I know, man. You knew, I, I, we, you guys, knew. we are very symbiotic. I know yeah. what's going on. Yeah, here. you knew. Okay, so Matt Kuchar, <laughs> love him this week. Uh, missed the cut last week. We've talked about that at length. He shot 77-77. Um, um, that is not very good, but you could you could it have predicted not. that coming from a mile away, <laughs> yeah. right? That that's not a Kucher kind of a venue. It's the opposite um, of a Kucher course, right? It just when you add wind and and length to, together, it's just it's not meant for him. But this place, I believe, is he um, he missed the cut shooting seventy one sixty eight last year in twenty twenty, um, but he does have three top tens. He's got five top twenty fives, and he's made ten of twelve cuts at this event. Um, and and I think he, this is kind of a new Matt Kuchar who's playing a lot better. He did well at the Byron Nelson, 17th, 18th at the RBC Heritage. Uh, he was 12th at the Valero Texas Open. And we remember what he did at the match play. So I think he's a guy who's starting to feel like he's playing a little bit better. Like he has control of his golf swing again. And I just, I, I can't help but think this is a perfect course for him. Uh, I don't get to say this often, so I'll butt in and say... <laughs> I kind of agree. I think Matt Kuchar's in a good, I think Matt Kuchar's yeah. in a really good spot. I mean, the, the metrics are really good. The, the places that he hasn't had success, the Masters, the PGA Championship. I don't really care about that. Okay, he he's played well. And Sia, what I kind of think is maybe even more appealing for Kuchar is it has been nearly a full year since we have seen his ownership outside of single digits. The last time he was 10% owned or more was last year's Workday Charity Open. That was in July. We're almost at a full year since then. So not only are you getting a guy who might be trending in the right direction, which I agree with, that will probably keep his ownership down because he's coming off of a miscut. But even if his ownership is ownership is up, what does that look like? 9%? Like That's like the upper end of this right now. You're right. I mean, the 7K range is so competitive that he's going to be, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and guess. I think he's going to be like 7%. And and honestly, the only reason he's going to be 7% is because of those things that you and Greg just spoke spoke about. I, I like Kuchar, but just let me just throw one other thing in there. If we're sure. talking about comeback stories and we're talking about the PGA Tour, just, you know, throwing out another, you know, bomb to us about a great story. I mean, Chris Kirk is on this list too in the 7K range. And by the way, he's he happens to be top 10 in my model. I didn't mention him. It was kind of an oversight, but but honestly, I like the guys I mentioned a little bit more than Chris Kirk in spite of what my model says. But Chris Kirk, great on approach. Um, he, he checks most of the boxes here. So I think uh, I think the narrative fits and I think the metrics fit as well. He's actually a lot better around the green than I think people want to give him credit for. He's 19th around the green. He's 26th from T2 green. So the, the area that he struggles in is putting, but he actually does gain strokes there as well. Just a small positive. Okay, Greg. Um, anybody else in this $7,000 range? Maybe I scroll down to the bottom and I see names like Kevin Kisner, who has won this event before. Maybe I see names like Sebastian Munoz, who we know can get hot at times, but he hasn't played well recently. Is there anybody else in here that we should talk about before we move on? Uh, I'm still a little bit higher up than uh, some of those names, Rick, but not by much. So two okay. other names. One, I feel pretty good about. One, I want to ask you guys about. So um, first, I'll start with uh, Camilo Vajegas. I, I think um, he was going to play one of the events, uh, maybe at the Byron Nelson, and didn't play. 
I'm not sure what happened, but he was on the uh, DraftKings board, and I really liked him. He didn't play. He's had some great success of late. His last three events are all top 25s, 11th at the Valspar, 25th at the RBC Heritage, and 17th at the Valero Texas Open. He also had a nice finish at the Honda Classic, although I know that was a long time ago. Um, but Camilo has been a really nice ball striker this year, and I think it could be a I, I think it could be a really nice play if he's um, if, if he's ready to go. He seems like he's in competition mode at this point um and he, it it means a lot to him he may have you know there there are a lot of other stories that get a little more in depth than uh than we need but i do think he could have a really nice week uh and then the next guy that i wanted to ask you guys about um and I, i'm not sure but i feel like there may be a little popularity behind him is cameron davis um mm. what what do we what do we think about cameron davis who has played some good golf it's been a little bit inconsistent but he's a really nice ball striker he's 20th off the tee for the year he's 49th approaching the green um and and in his last couple of starts he he had a tied 26 at the wells fargo um a couple of tough rounds in the middle of last week but he shot a 69 in round one and a 72 in round two is he a guy of, of uh, interest at all let me throw it right back to you greg how important is it to keep it in the tree line <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I, I um i think it's important Right, he's inaccurate, but but he's long at, at yeah, the same time. So does that put him into like the Gary Woodland category where it's not drivers aren't mandatory for him? Um, I like, think so because he played well. He played well at RBC Heritage, which is a place that you're just laying up to the same spot or whatever as everybody else. He had a top right. twenty five there. It's one of his better results recently. So if we okay, so if we go by that idea that he you don't have to worry about him spraying it necessarily with the driver, but he still gets to tap into the length, then I do like it. Yeah. He does. He doesn't hit as many small. greens as I would like. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I wonder if he, so this is the thing about a long player. Sometimes guys that are long, he's 13th on tour in distance. Um, long hitters sometimes take advantage of what the golf course gives them. And if the metrics, if the statistics, the analytics going into a week say distance is going to be your friend, then they, they open up and they try to hit it far because the the course asks them to hit it really far. When they go to a place like the RBC Heritage, the course asks for something different. So they yeah. adopt their strategy to it. Um, but typically with guys like that, like a Will Zalatoris comes to mind where he's not very accurate in terms sure. of driving accuracy percentage, but he hits a ton of greens of regulation. So he has control over his ball. Like he, he hits it where he's looking. It's just sometimes he's looking really far out in the distance and, and, <laughs> and he's not worried about hitting the fairway. He's worried about getting it to the right side or, or something. He's worried about getting it really close to the hole. Um, whereas uh, with, with Cameron, I worry he on, on, he hits under 65% of his greens. So is he just a little bit loose tee to green right now? Makes a lot of birdies because of his distance, but also makes a lot of bogeys. I guess that'd be my worry with him. Well, which is why I'd probably give the the nod to Vijegas because I actually think he's a little shaky off the tee too, but assuming he kind of dials it back a little bit, I think his approach numbers are a lot better. And frankly, his finishing yeah. positions have been outstanding. I, I think that's a really smart GPP play because I, I think he'll get overlooked in this range. The $6,000 range. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're looking at the cheat sheet on rickrungood.com, you are seeing a lot of red. It ain't pretty, boys. And see, you actually said there's, two, I think you said there's two guys down in the 6K range I like. You said something like that. So uh, I'm grasping at straws here. Tell me who those guys are. And that's only so far. It's Monday. By Tuesday, I'll have like 10 of these guys. But so, first of all, uh, Tom Hoke. Tom Hogue, I think I believe he's 6,800 up there. 
Uh, talk about a good approach player. I mean, if he can if he can get it in the fairway, which I fully expect him to be able to do this week, uh, his approach game is is really on point. He's going to be probably. I know you're looking it up now. I'm guessing in the top 25, top 30 on approach last 24 rounds. I think Tom Hogue is a really smart play. We know Tom Hogue can get really hot and really cold. He's one of those guys that sometimes I'll bet as a first round leader because he can really go off in any given round. And in this field, I think he's a, he's a fine play. Another guy that I typically in go ahead is that you have this up right. Yeah, he's like he's like 15th in strokes gained approach over the last 16. If I go back to 24, I think he actually gets even better here. No, he drops off. So more recent, if you want to open it up to that, he that mm-hmm. that is where he tends to to have found his success. Rick showing off the model on rickrungood.com. <laughs> very, very nice. So a couple of the guys I like, and I'll admit, a couple of these guys, the metrics aren't going to pop to you. In fact, the rest of the guys, the metrics aren't going to pop to you because it's the 6K range, right? But Michael yeah. Thompson, I feel like, is a, kind of a perfect course fit here. He hasn't really been as good in the ball striking department as he was maybe like six months ago or four months ago or so. But I think Michael Thompson, I think he could pop here. I think this is a good course fit. Another guy that's been really bad and just keeps missing cuts, but I think is when he's a good ball striker, you'll see him in the top 10 on Sunday. And that's James Hahn. I just think James Hahn's a good golfer. We just haven't seen it. So if you're speculating on, on a, you know, a lineup, a, a silver bullet lineup, you know, obviously not in a single entry. You don't want any James Hahn. But I think James Hahn's just one of those guys you can throw in there and, and he has some upside. The last guy I'll go with is, is Rick's boy. The guy that that Rick oh. has been touting for quite some time and that we've jumped yeah. on board, of course, as well. Go ahead, Brett. Vincent. Take the floor. Vincent Whaley? When is, this, when is this going to end, right? I mean, the guy... <laughs> I don't know. First of all, he's 6,200. He is the near min price. Uh, and if you look, just look at the cheat sheet. So, okay. So all these guys who have missed four, five, six cuts in a row, you keep scrolling, you keep scrolling, you keep scrolling, you get to Vincent <laughs> Whaley at 6,200 who's got nothing but green squares on the cheat sheet. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. He's got it's like three straight... Unbelievable. Yeah. Look at... I mean, just look at these finishes. They're all inside it's like, it like a glitch this is a glitch nine like consecutive it. events i believe he's up to now so puerto rico open he went fifth he's finished 15th then he played the honda finished 36 there and then he kicked off this stretch that or that kicked off the stretch of like he finishes between 26th and 36th every single week he went 28th 34th 29th 29th 26th 26th it's it's it has to end at some point, I imagine here, gentlemen, but the near min priced guy who has now, I looked it up. I looked it up. Do you want to guess? Okay. He's made nine consecutive cuts. Do you want to guess where that ranks on the PGA tour? In right cuts now. made in a row? Cur- no, current active cut streaks. Current active. Cut I would guess that nine cuts in a row is 12th. Uh, that was, I was going to, I was going to say 11 or 12. I'll say 11th. It's fourth. Wow. It's the, fourth, it's the fourth longest active cut streak on the PGA Tour right now. Joaquin Neiman has the longest. It's like 16 or something like that because Xander fell off and Rom fell off recently. And Vincent Whaley has the – now there's other guys who have tied with it, but he has the fourth longest active cut streak. He's $6,200. I mean, all right. So this he's at he's down at 6200 and yeah. it's like as fair – it's like as safe as it can – I've never seen a 6200 guy this safe. Normally, it's like <laughs> extreme volatility. Maybe they are good in approach. Like Chase Seifert, it's a guy at 6,400 who's his his finishes have not been great, but he's a pretty good approach player. See, that's like the typical sacrifice you have to make down in this range. Where is he? 
is it with with Whale? So the question is, um, when you are building your lineup around Vincent Whaley, <laughs> like you should do, do you go super aggressive around him? Do you take like a, a couple of seven? K- is this a guy you put in there with two 10K guys? Like, that's like what, that's is, what I did. Yeah, that's what that's I did what with the lineup did. I referenced at the beginning of the show. I had, yeah. I think, Morikawa and Spieth, I think. And I obviously had to dip down to two 6K guys, and Whaley was one of them. I mean, if you're talking about a sixty a $6,200 golfer, if they make the cut, pays for themselves. If he finishes T26 again, which is what he has essentially been doing. I, I mean, look at this. Every single week since pebble beach he has returned no less than nine times his value so the calculation of that is you take his salary you divide it by a thousand you multiply by nine that is how many draft kings points anytime you're nearing double digits no matter what your no matter what your salary is it's 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 awesome so i i, I don't know it can't last forever but it's I, really good right now i want to see him on tv I need to see the, he's one I don't of those even know guys. What he looks like. I don't even know what he looks like. I, I don't, well, I know what his like picture that. looks like. Yeah. I mean, but I've never seen him swing. I don't know what it looked. I, I need to see him on TV. Cause he's one of those guys right now. That's just um, like, like he, um, it, it's a complete stat follow. And anytime yeah. you look mm-hmm. at Vincent Whaley, it's what are his results? What's he done? But you've never, never seen him. So yeah. I, I just want to see him play. I'm hoping that this is the week. And at 6,200, you're going to be watching a lot of him on Sunday afternoon. Well, Greg, so. thank you for jinxing it. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Greg also sorry. said he's never seen a 6K guy this safe before, which is like the ultimate chance yes, now. Yeah. Uh, sorry, DFS community. <laughs> Those don't exist. You guys don't believe in that kind of stuff, right? I mean, where's no, this? Greg, I need to throw a little not. salt over not. my shoulder. I'll tell you. I'll tell you whether I believe in that on Friday night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Greg. So six thousand dollar range. I mean, we can scroll up away from Vincent Whaley. Although, why would why? you? <laughs> um, <laughs> it starts with Cam. You know, a couple of long hitters: Cam Champ, Luke List, Mav McNeely's in there as well. I don't consider him to be a long hitter. Is there anybody that you are kind of circling for this six thousand dollar range? The bizarre thing about this six thousand dollar range is I don't really like the top. I, I don't okay. like. There's not much up top that I uh, that I like. I feel like it's extremely risky. I mean, Zach Johnson. Could you take a chance on? It's hard to take a chance on Zach Johnson when you have Vincent Whaley sitting down there. So, <laughs> the safest like, guy it, ever. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what have I done? Um, I, Michael Thompson, who Sia mentioned, I think he. I think he could make sense. Um, in all seriousness. Um, I mean, Tyler McCumber hasn't really played a lot. I mentioned Chase Seifert. He's a guy that I, I think could potentially fit a narrative because his strength is his iron play. Um, and the, and this could be a, a good thing for him this week. So he definitely sticks out to me. Um, but the other guy, if you're going to take a flyer, you're going to go the complete opposite of, of a very, very safe play. But I think you're taking a talent. There's a talent gap here. Uh, there's a gap between talent and performance, and it's been on. You think Ben on at the price of 6300 is worth the risk. I I, I kind of feel like he has a little bit of win equity, maybe more win equity than anybody else down here. Um, so he would be a guy that I'm looking at with uh, maybe, maybe this isn't the time, but I feel like he is a lot better than his price. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I Look, I don't I, love I, it. I don't love I it. Love on. I I think he's awesome. I wish he was playing better. But I know he's here. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Look, the, you put me on the spot here. Who are you going to go with aside from Vincent Whale? Uh, Vincent Whaley. I I don't know. 
The only I, other I guy that know. caught my attention was Adam Shank, who was Vincent Whaley in the fall. He made like 12 consecutive cuts and it was, he was always like $6,300. And I was like, just make the cut. And he was doing that for a long time. He kind of ran into a, uh, a tough month or so, or maybe four or five starts um, in the middle there, but he's been a lot better recently. He's made four or five. And when he makes the cut, um, he's finished like 35th or better. So I don't, I don't mind that, but uh, the six K range is pretty ugly. Sia. So, I mean, you've been, you've, probably been the one building the most lineups how is it stars and scrubs is it balanced what are we what are we doing here this week i mean i've only built in all honesty maybe five or six lineups and i've i've just kind of leaned towards stars and scrubs but i absolutely think you can build balanced here too and be totally fine i mean i i'm no stranger to skipping the elite range and just trying to see what 9k guys i can fit in with some 8 and 7k guys honestly i think it's completely up for grabs here i think there's enough low 7k guys and mid to upper 6k guys where you know you can make sense of a stars and scrubs lineup pretty easily yeah i think the natural build is gonna be let's see one of these speed thomas morikawa's Mm -hmm. answer and -hmm. then you'd have to drop down to like somewhere in here seven eight ish i'm trying to do the quick math in my head does that feel like the natural build yeah, I mean, you could grab like let's say a low eight k guy like a like a Streelman, Wallace, or Tringale, and then yeah. you're, you're going to have to dip, you know, well below that. Yeah, you're going to have to dip. That. Interesting. Okay, Greg. Uh, as you look at, as we've just digested all of this in the last hour or so, has any of your opinions changed on the type of golfer that we might be looking for this week? I I, I tend to think that there's a lot of different ways to get it done, but. I'm wondering what you think. Yeah, I'm. I would say um, I'm not necessarily uh, going stat heavy this week. Um, I, I think a lot of this has to do with some recent form, and you can kind of take the PGA Championship and put it. Uh, you use the PGA Championship if it favors your uh, the opinion, right? If you're trying to back it up, which we I love, I love using things that favor yeah. what I already. Think. Yeah. So you if he missed the cut, it, it just you rule it out. If he played well, well, he's playing great. So right. the the PGA can kind of go either way with me, I, and I mean that seriously. Um, but but then after that, who are guys that have shown you something to give you a little bit of confidence? Um, so a guy like Daniel Berger has given you a lot of confidence aside from the PGA. Uh, and there are a number of guys we mentioned, Matt Kuchar being one of them, who has given you a lot of reasons to believe he's confident aside from the PGA. And the reason that really holds a little bit of water is because that's what the players think. Oh, man, that was the hardest golf course I've ever played. But I'm really playing great. And this one, you come here to the Colonial this weekend, it's fun again. And um, I, I do think there's some validity to that. So, um, yeah, I'm looking for guys that are that are playing well, that are feeling really good. Um, and, and if you're going to throw a statistic at it, I'm leaning towards approach play. All right. Fair enough. I think that'll do it. That has been our DFS preview for this week's Charles Schwab Challenge. We'll be back on Tuesday for our full Megapod and, of course, back after each and every round of the event to break it all down. But for now, let me thank producer Jacob. He does all the hard work behind the scenes. Let me thank Sia Najad. You can find him on Twitter at Sia Najad. And that's Greg Ducharme, who you can find on Twitter at the Real GFD. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time.